Welcome to Being a Successful Leader with Carl Welty. Carl is a leadership pioneer with years of challenging leadership and consulting experience. Here's Carl with some valuable insights, practical and proven methods for being a successful leader. Uh, greetings, Carl Welty here, your host for the uh, podcast, Being a Successful Leader. The uh, intent of the podcast, uh, the series, is to uh, provide you with valuable insights and practical and proven wisdom on uh, being a successful leader. The series revolves around three of my leadership principles or imperatives. The first being having you be a, a self-aware and skillful leader. The second imperative is then having a sound strategy. And then the third imperative is having a, a climate of commitment. So being a self-aware and skillful leader, then having a sound strategy, and then getting people to rally around that strategy uh, by having a culture of commitment. We have uh, a series uh, once a week, each uh, episode lasting from 15 to, to 30 minutes. Um, and also, there, I should mention, there's a, I have a book, <clears throat> excuse me, a book for each, <clears throat> excuse me, a book for each of the three imperatives. And you can find the, uh, the three books on my website, wealthy.com. Just uh, scroll over to uh, Leadership Resources, and then you can see the three providers, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, and the publisher, Ewing's Publishing, and a little blurb about the books and how to order them. And it makes a dynamite package to be able to talk to you about some of the highlights here and then having you have uh, the books as an ongoing resource. Also, I should mention that the previous podcasts were over 35 now, and uh, you can find them uh, to uh, look at any past podcasts you care to or to review them once again on webtalkradio.net, webtalkradio.net. Then just click on channels, go down to uh, leadership and uh, the workplace, and you'll see uh, my, I'm one of several icons there. Click on successful leader, and uh, then you can look at the uh, scroll down, look at all the past episodes. All right. Today's uh, topic is approaches to managing. And here we we uh, look at you as a leader manager and provide you with four general approaches. And that's useful because you can help. It'll help gauge uh, uh, yourself in terms of your current behavior. And is that appropriate as your leader manager of your organization as a whole or the organizational entity or unit that you're a leader manager of? We'll talk more about some of the situational variables that'll help you determine what might be the best approach. Uh, in the way of review, managing, again, is coordinating diverse activities to achieve desired results effectively and efficiently. So coordinating all these results, uh, activities, what is the best approach for you? We'll talk about four of them. Uh, and when I talk about approach uh, to managing, uh, I'm talking about a consistent pattern of you thinking and behaving as, as a leader manager and providing guidance and directions to your organizational unit. Again, the, the unit as an organization as a whole or a particular entity, like a department or a division or what have you. And the four approaches, and then we'll talk about each, the four approaches I have are, and they go from, think of it going from left to right, and as you go from left to right, uh, you become less directive and back up and, and allow a lot more discretion to your to your folks in your department or your company, what have you. Uh, again, we'll describe each in some detail. So we start off with manager as doer technician. And then the next one is manager as conductor, then manager as coach, and then manager as working leader. Manager as doer uh, technician, then we move to, uh, to the right. 
uh, manager is connect, uh, conductor, manager is coach, and then manager is working leader. Uh, there's no best one approach here. There's no best approach. It depends. It's dictated by the various situational variables at, uh, at operation in your, in your situation. And we'll discuss each of these as we go along. Now, the benefit of getting a, a feel for these four approaches is that you, uh, you can recognize your current approach. Uh, you can assess the appropriateness of your current approach, um, considering the situational variables. And then, if necessary, modify or change your approach to better fit uh, what's going on in your organization, again, as a whole or with a, uh, as a sub-entity. Okay, let's go through each of these four. Manager is, is doer technician. This is the, the direct control model. And again, there's no rightness or wrongness in any of these. It depends. This is the hands-on manager. Very appropriate for a small organization. Very appropriate uh, getting started, a startup organization, and they need you as the uh, head technician, and maybe it was your idea anyway, or you started the department, or you're a subject matter expert, and we really need you to involve yourself in a lot of the technical work. Yeah, you need to manage and lead too, but uh, you know, you're re really valuable as a technician here. So that's the um, uh, command and control authority uh, as a hands-on manager. Okay. Then the second one, as we move from left to right in our our hypothetical spectrum here is manager's conductor. This is the compliance model. So this is a natural evolution. And, and, and if your department is small and it's a very highly specialized department, maybe you don't need to move from the uh, uh, doer technician. Or if uh, as an entrepreneur, you want to stay small and we need you as a technical expert, uh, maybe you need to grow a little bit, but you, uh, you, you probably still hover around that doer technician. You're the head shed here and uh, we need you for the technical work, uh, in addition to some leadership and management. But uh, for most, as, as the organization grow, be it your department or the organization, there's a natural evolution and you, you give up. A lot of the day-to-day -day calling all the shots and you back up a little bit, but still there's centralized co coordination, decision-making and control. Uh, uh, if firefighting, you're called on as problems arise and so forth, and you, you intercede and you help with the technical decisions and, and so forth. So it's still a hands-on, but uh, heavy top-down control versus hands-on kind of thing less hands-on and more top-down control. Hopefully that's clear to you and you can see that evolution occurring, a natural evolution. Now we go to the third of, of my four approaches, manager as coach. This I call the collaboration model. And here you get involved in shared decision-making. You're not right there calling all the shots. You're not right there to firefight, but you're there to help your your unit, your, your organization. Uh, it's a major shift. And some managers have a, a real problem with this because they're giving up a lot of this hands-on or, or heavy direction of control. And it's more collaboration and, and working together and uh, uh, coaching and, and that sort of thing. So still involved in day-to-day -day operations, but does so in a collaborative way. Um, it's, it's ironic a little bit is that people become more involved and empowered as they become more empowered. Uh, involved in uh, empowered, they tend to take on more responsibility for change, innovation, productivity, and 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 are more motivated. People tend to own things they help create, so they get more involved. They get more ownership uh, in in the process. 
And again, it's a difficult transition going from directing to collaborating for many managers. You 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 know about uh, startups. Many times, as the organization grows from a startup and they expand, the founder has a hard time navigating this shift. And many times, the organization will come in and bring in a, a professional uh, leader, if you will, to help the organization go from the uh, heavy direction to more of a collaborative uh, model. Uh, Okay, so that's that's pretty clear uh, for you, I hope. And the last of our four is managers working leader. This I call the enabling model. And um, you're managing around the system, the system being your organization, uh, your department, what have you. And uh, you still s- serve as a guiding resource, as a coach, but your focus is mainly on the outside. Kind of like the C- difference between a CEO focused on the outside and COO focused on the inside. Focus on managing the context, if you will, uh, which your organization uh, uh, performs. Uh, more leading and less managing. Uh, the manager's coach uh, primary focus is increasing the effectiveness and efficiency of people and processes within the system or the organization, whereas the working leader's primary focus is the system to operate effectively and efficiently within a particular environment or organizational context. Uh, one of some of the key roles of you as a working leader is analyzer, advocate, visionary, facilitator, and barrier buster. Some of the key roles there. Uh, it's a good label, working leader, because you're 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 shifting much more from managing to leading, looking to the future versus the present. Uh, but you're still involved and at a high high level work that you're high leverage work you're engaged in now. But you're still there to provide the necessary guidance and direction as needed. Um, okay, so those are the four uh, approaches to managing. Hopefully that's, uh, hopefully that's uh, uh, useful to you, and you can always replay this podcast and, and uh, make sure that uh, you understand each of the four. Now, the situational variables, uh, which help determine which seems to be the most appropriate of these four models, the size of your organization or organizational unit, of course, is a is a key determinant. You know, you can't have uh, hands-on direct control if you've got a pretty big uh, unit there. Also, the maturity of your worker. We talked about this before. The maturity of your work group or your organization, maturity being the uh, competence and commitment, competence times commitment of your work group uh, or your organization. If they're f- fairly immature, you got to be more involved in their, their teaching, training, uh, hands-on direction, that sort of thing. And as they become more mature and more committed and uh, and skillful, you can back up and uh, take on some of the more decision uh, shared decision-making uh, behaviors. Uh, uh, other influences besides the size of the organization, the maturity of the work group, are your organization. Other influences, rightly or wrongly, uh, would include the following. The culture of your organization, you know, just what does your culture, how, how we do work here? And is it one that emphasizes heavy direct control or, or one that emphasizes more leadership and collaboration? Another influence, rightly or wrongly, is, is your, your boss, the manager's supervising manager, and how much leeway, discretion they allow you to manage your group, lead your group the way you see fit. And a third of the three on our list is the, uh, your own behavioral flexibility. Uh, uh, and range, how you're able to diagnose what's going on, uh, being skillful in that, and then to behave appropriately by going up and down the spectrum we've been talking about. So let's talk about that leader requirement about uh, flexibility and range for just a minute. Very important. 
Okay, leader requirement, developing a necessary behavior for you to use it with all the approaches, all the four we described here. So the first is a, a diagnosis. You know, what what's going on with your unit there? And we talked about the variables here about maturity and uh, size. And then to uh, think through uh, what's the most appropriate uh, approach, doer, technician, conductor, coach, working leader. Okay, and then you have to have the necessary behavior to uh, use all the, have a range that you can go up and down the uh, spectrum, if you will, from heavy control to uh, working leader. And and that because that involves some skill and and uh, practice. And uh, if we keep talking about deliberate practice and self-observation as you make these shifts, again, a big shift happening for people between the conductor approach and then going to the coach approach, a major shift there. Um, and many managers, again, find this transition to be difficult. Um, the reasons for such is that uh, you're, you not only have behavior change, but your mental models may have to shift to allow you to uh, think about your role there as a leader manager, uh, going from heavy direction to guidance and, and coaching, that sort of thing. Uh, another uh, reason, uh, you need to move outside of your comfort zone and 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 what may be your natural behavior style. Uh, and that requires some uh, diligent effort. Um, so those are some reasons why some some of you may find it difficult to make these shifts, especially as you go to the higher order, not better, but higher order of these management approaches. And it works in both directions. An, an organization could be uh, backsliding and, and and maybe have to downsize a bit and so forth. And you can you maybe been working on the um, more of the collaborative approach and may have to go down and and roll up your sleeves again and get more involved as the organization shifts downward. So it goes in both directions. Now, uh, resources for you uh, that reinforce what we've been talking about here, my book, uh, Building Commitment, uh, the performance coaching chapter, chapter five, uh, spells out what we've been talking about here, a little bit more detail about the uh, the uh, needing to move uh, up and down diagnosis and range, that sort of thing. Uh, and then another one, especially, is my book, Leadership Begins With You, Chapter 7, which is devoted entirely to self-coaching. Because as you diagnose and then look at your uh, behavioral flexibility and maybe to be able to make these shifts, you may have to deliberately go uh, and apply, deliver practice again in self-observation. And again, it goes both ways. It may be that you have to back up you have to uh, uh, allow more discretion and that sort of thing. And that may be tough for you to do based upon your past success with the more directive models. And so you need to have a deliberate approach and how to move to the to, to the coaching and the working leader approach. And in the opposite way, too, it may be that your natural style like mine is, is one of collaboration and having a harder time of giving direct orders and, and, and direction and that sort of thing. And so, uh, yeah, you need to think of it both ways. So it may be a deliberate uh, practice and self-observation you need to engage in to make these shifts. But again, you'll find that self-coaching chapter. Highly recommend that in the book, uh, Leadership Begins With You. All right. So if this has been beneficial to you, again, four approaches. Uh, and it, I think it helps you gauge just what seems to be appropriate. Now, next episode, we'll, we'll continue along the same line, but we'll go from uh, general approaches to more specific 
decision-making options for you as a leader manager, given who you're working with. You know, you you have a group, but then as you work with this individual, that individual, or this group or that group, you may have to shift your behavior depending on the kind of decision and the maturity of the follower, followers, and, and other situational variables. So again, it goes hand in glove. Uh, but uh, I think it's useful to talk about the general approach first, like we did today, and then shift to specific um, leadership options for you making decisions with your individuals or your the uh, group work groups that you have. All right, so that's uh, hopefully uh, these two will be married, very meaningful to you on an ongoing basis, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you next week, and we'll dive into the leader decision-making options. Meantime, you take care of yourself.